Hebron to Kadesh Barnea, that's where they were going, it was an 11-day journey. Did y'all realize that? Deuteronomy 1, verses 2 and 3 said, There are 11 days journey from Hebron by the way of Mount Shear into Kadesh Barnea, and it came to pass in the 40th year. You see, they set out on an 11-day journey to enter the promised land. And in, in the 40th year, they moved into the promised land. You know what that tells us? For 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness. For 40 years, they lived uh, in, in a, a place short of God's promise. So I hope you'll remember that. And, and 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, and, he's, and Paul is talking about this, this time in Israel. He says, all these things happened unto them for an example, and they are written for our abomination upon those of the end of the world that are to come. So what Paul is saying is, is these things are written that we might have them as example. And that's what we're going to use them at this morning. We're going to use them as an example. And, and to think about this 11-day journey turning into, for some of them, the rest of their life, a 40-year journey. Just as being freed from slavery in Egypt is, is kind of a picture of our, our, of our salvation, so is wandering around in the wilderness and in the valley of decision. That's a picture of the carnal Christian life. It's going nowhere. That carnal Christian life says, saved? Yeah, I'm saved. And, and living in victory? No, I'm not living in victory. I'm not maturing. I'm just kind of coasting through life. I've got my fire insurance policy, and, and it's in my hand, but, but just perpetual babies. Never, the, Paul says they, they never graduate from, from milk. They, they never graduate to meat, to that meat of the word. They only, they only run to daddy and cry out when things are going wrong, and, and they really never come of age spiritually. That's kind of a picture that we see of those wandering around in the desert. Remember what Paul said? He says these things are written as an example. So, so that spiritual life of someone who, who, yeah, they may be saved, yeah, yeah, they may be going to heaven, but spiritually they've never, they've never taken responsibility. Spiritually they've never grown up to that real part of faithfulness. And 40 years later for Israel, when that rebellious generation, who was that rebellious generation? That was that generation that said, we can't go to the land. We can't possess the land. So 40 years later, the Bible says that that whole generation died off. Okay, they died in the, they died in the, in the desert. They died wandering around on this 11-day journey 40 years later. They, their time was up and they, they died off. They never received all that God had for them. They never received the promises of God. They just lived in the desert. They were still God's chosen people. He had still delivered them out of the hand of Egypt. You remember I said it's kind of like our salvation. It's, it's kind of a picture of us being freed from slavery. They were still freed from slavery, but, but they never possessed what God had for them. So the Bible says that, that 40 years later, a new generation grew up, and they, they moved into the promised land, and they possessed it, and that land was called Canaan. And they were claiming their Canaan. They made the, the decision. They were living in a, a valley of decision. They made a decision that they were going to move on in to that life. Now, uh, let, me, let me give you an idea about this. Today, I think every person is in one of three locations. Not in this church. Every person in the world. 
fits into one of these three locations. Either they're still in Egypt. In other words, they're still a slave to sin. In other words, they've never accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. If you're still in Egypt, you need to be saved. You need to come to that point of saying, you know what, I, I haven't even been delivered from, from the, the prince of this world who is Satan, who, who that sin's going to take me farther than I ever wanted to go. Or you're in the second group, you're in the wilderness. In other words, you're saved, but you're just going around in circles. You're just wandering around. You're not in the promised land. You've been saved for years. You understand what we're talking about. You're not really digging in your Bible. You're really not praying. You're really not being consistent with your uh, whatever your times, your talents, your resources. You're not making any commitments to be faithful to serve. You've been there for years. You're really not living for Christ. You're not much closer to God than you were the day you got saved. There's people that that are living in that category. Those are the people that are just wandering around in the wilderness. They're just kind of going through the motions. Then you have that last group. They're the ones that's in Canaan. They're excited. They're growing. They're they're having the joy of the Lord. We talked the last couple of weeks about restoring the joy of the Lord and and what that means. They, They were in the wilderness a while. They were in Egypt a while. But, hey, they became giant conquerors, and they've moved on to what God has in store for them. And and so I think everybody's in one of those three categories. But let me tell you this, I think churches are in one of three categories. I think the first church is that Egypt church, and that's that church that really don't preach salvation by grace. In other words, they're they're the blind leading the blind. They're just more like a a social club than a church, and they want you to come, and they want to just uh, preach that message of, hey, everything's great and everything's good, and, and uh, it is great and good with God, but the th- world we live in is just is falling apart, and th- those churches want us just to forget about those things, and they're, they, they have nothing to do with grace. They're still in Egypt. Then we have, I think, the wilderness church. It's just like the wilderness people. The wilderness churches is churches that have saved people, but they're just going around in circles. They're just they're just going through the motions of church. You, we we rarely see anybody get saved. We hardly see the altar uh, people praying at the altar, and making any decisions. The the spirit of God's really not moving that much in the church, or it doesn't feel like it. But but we're okay with that because after all, things are good. We've been able to make some good improvements to the church. We, uh, the building looks good. We're all going to go to heaven one day, and, and uh, so that's okay. There's, there's sin in the church, of course. Nobody's perfect, but we don't even th- think about what happens outside of the church. We just, we just kind of sweep that under the carpet, and let's not talk about it. We dress up and shake hands and have parties and eat together and thank God that we're saved, and we can look around. The world's going to hell in a handbasket, but hey, that's all right. We're just wandering around, going through the motions. Then we have that Canaan church, that church where when you walk through the door, you feel a a spirit of excitement. You feel like there's joy there. There's expectancy in the air there. The church is growing. Decisions are made. It's a pleasure to serve. It's a pleasure to to give. It's a pleasure to work together and to be a team together and, and to hold accountable and be glad that we're all holding each other accountable. We don't care who gets the credit and who's doing this and who's doing that. We're saying, hey, if this works, let's go with it and let's work with it, and, and we are focused on God, not on people, and, and going forward, we're climbing uphill, we're swimming upstream, that's the, that's the kind of church that's saying, hey, we're, we're in a Canaan land, 
we're where God wants us to be, and, and we're, we're proud to have God's Word, and we look at God's Word, and we study God's Word, and we try to move forward in a victorious Christian life. You know what? I don't want you to look back, and I don't want to look back years from now and just say, you know what, God, I just walked around in circles my whole life. I just was meandering around, and, and I've just been going in circles. I've really not gone anywhere. I want you to think about where you are. And where is our church? I've thought about it, and it's pretty tough on me sometimes when I think about where we are, where we seem to be as a church. But, but in our text, Moses is done. He's died. Moses passes away, and the Lord selects Joshua. He's Moses' servant to take the lead, and, and uh, the law hasn't saved anybody today, keeping the law, but God said this. He says, go with it and take it with you, and and here's a new chapter in your life, Joshua, and here's a new beginning in your life and a new generation, and, and you need to step up and do your part. Now, here's the good part. Wherever we are, think about Joshua. He's been wandering around in the desert, too. Think about Caleb. He's been wandering around in the desert, too. Think about all those Israelites that started as children in the desert, and they're, they're 40 years old now. They've been wandering around, too, but you know what? God didn't leave them. He said, hey, I've got a new beginning for you. It takes you a little work. You have to step out and start moving forward. And that's where our message really is today. So there's three principles I want to I bring out that, that think about claiming our Canaan, thinking about being where God wants us to be. And the first is this preparation. Now, if you have a King James Version Bible, and incidentally, I want to tell you, if, if you read something, I saw something on the Internet this week, I'm not even sure he wrote it, that that had taken two scriptures and said, this is why you use King James. And it was a little different translation. You know, King James was trans translated for King James. <laughs> he didn't come from Paul, and Paul didn't use the King James, okay? Uh, be careful not to take one scripture and not look at the context and, and then say, try to build your argument on something that doesn't even fit, Okay? Uh, take scripture, take it in context. It doesn't matter to me what translation you use. If you study it, then study it, okay? Now, don't take the Mormon Bible and say, well, Jake said they're all the same. No, they're not all the same, but when it comes to God's Word, don't, don't get caught up on a word or two that's different here and there, but look at the whole text of God's Word. The reason I say that, if you've got a King James Version, in verse 11, Moses, uh, Joshua says... Gather up your, and here's how it's spelled, V-I-C-T-U-A-L-S. Y'all know what that word, you know how to pronounce that word? Vittles. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Moses says, I mean, Joshua says, gather up some vittles. <laughs> that's, that's a good East Texas term, isn't it? Gather up your vittles. Uh, we're getting ready to cross the Jordan River. So you can write in your, uh, this, I think the NIV says, gather up uh, your um, yeah, your provisions, your supplies, but but King James says, gather up some vittles. We're, we are moving to the promised land. Gather up some vittles. You know, they're fixing to cross the Jordan. And the Bible says this time of year, the Jordan is out of banks. So Joshua didn't say, hey, gather up the stuff to build a bridge or gather up the stuff to build a boat or or uh, gather up some things that we can somehow get across the Jordan. He said this, get some brunch together. 
Because we're, we're fixing to move, and we got to have proper nourishment. And uh, the saying goes, an army travels on its stomach, and a, uh, uh, an empty soldier won't fight well. And, and Joshua says this, hey, gather up some vittles, and let's go. We're going to have a new diet. What have they been eating 40 years? Manna. They've been eating manna, and God says, hey, gather up some vittles. We're moving. We're going to have a new diet. You know, there's probably some people here that lived through the Great Depression, and, and I, re- I read this. I had three meals a day, oatmeal for breakfast, cornmeal for lunch, and no meal for supper. That, that might have been the case, and uh, we complain if we have to wait in line at McDonald's sometimes. And, and uh, what Jerry Clower said, that he ate so many, uh, so many greens when he was a kid that his mama had to tie a coal oil rag around his ankles to keep cutworms from getting him because that's all they had to eat was beans. And I've heard my dad talk about eating beans and having beans for breakfast and lunch and supper. And, and uh, that's kind of where Israel was. They've been eating manna. That's all they've had to eat. They, they were sick of manna and quail. They just had to gather enough for every day. If they tried to gather more, it would rot and get full of maggots. And, and Joshua says, not this time. Gather up some vittles. We have a three-day journey. They were supposed to eat manna for about 11 days, just kind of an appetizer, until they reached the promised land, and it turned into 40 years. Veggie Tales, it sings it this way. We didn't have a lot of fun in the desert. We didn't have a lot of fun in the sand, so saddle up your cow and fall behind us now because we're going to the promised land. For years I've eaten nothing but manna, the dish that's that's filling but bland. Now we're on our way, and I'll have cheese so because I'm going to the promised land. The dinner was lousy, but with Moses, but we'll be feasting with Josh in, in command. I'd like some tacos, please, with some pintos and cheese because I'm going to the promised land. Well, in the promised land, it's going to be so grand, we'll have our hearts filled filled from the grill as much as we can stand. So be great with puffed waffles on my plate because I'm headed to the promised land. Now, if you don't know what veggie tails are, then you can ask some of our children here at the church. Matter of fact, we probably have some veggie tails videos in our nursery and it's about Bible study. So that little trite ditty, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of truth in that. Uh, we're gonna, if we're going to claim the promised land, if we're going go to go to Canaan, then we're going to have to change our diet. And, and where Moses says, gather up those vittles because there's a new diet coming. Christians, we need to change our diet and start feeding on God's Word. I was thinking this week... Jeremy said, I'm going to be gone, and I'm going to go ahead and get the music together. And, and I was kind of looking over my notes, and I thought, man, this would have been a great day to sing Come to the Table, and y'all sing it. And I thought, man, that's, that's great because, listen, we got to come to God's table, and we need to feed on God's Word. What you get on church Sunday morning is just an appetizer. They're just horse divers. Y'all know who would spell hors d'oeuvres? With a H, you know they're just they're just hors d'oeuvres. They're horse divers. They just they just set up our appetite for the week. So you come on Sundays and and you get a little appetizer of what God's word says, and then you leave and and all week you come to the table and you fill up on God's word. 
That's our diet that we need to have. We need to go and look and think about what God's Word said and then begin to obey what it says. In in 2 Timothy 2.15 it says, Show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, that's rightly dividing the Word of truth. I'm afraid today too many of us are filling up on the junk food of the world. There's all kinds of junk food. There's all kinds of things. And we're, we're addicted to movies and TV shows and video games and computers and Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat and Twitter and Duo and I don't know what all's out there. You know, all kinds of things and all sort of activities. And, and we fill up all that junk. And then when it comes to God's Word, we're like, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm full. I'm, I'm really full. I'll, I'll grab a little bite Sunday morning, but... The rest of the week, I have other things to fill my appetite. We need to change our, our eating habit. We need to change our diet. When I was a youth minister, computers were getting really popular. That tells you how old I am. And, and uh, I taught a lesson with, that was called Garbage In, Garbage Out, and it's simply true today. If you have a computer, you put a bunch of garbage in it, it's going to put a bunch of garbage out. Garbage in and garbage out. And we need to change our diet. We need to realize whatever we're putting in, That's what's going to flow out, whatever we have, and we need to change our diet. Here's something I worry about, and and I'm not a big worrier, but, you know, we're we're losing our children today in churches. We really are. We're losing our children today, and and I kind of think, why is that happening? And a lot of times it's, it's kind of a temporary thing, but sometimes it's not, and as a result of losing our children, what happens is you notice after graduation, a lot of kids, you... They're a missing demographic in the church. And, and I was thinking, why is that? And, and I, think this is, I think this is kind of why we can go back to, to what God said to his children. He had seven feasts for Israel to observe, seven different feasts. And in those feasts, we'll, we'll study about those in the future someday, they, they were feasts that, that were to remind everybody what God had done. But while they were in the wilderness... They didn't have the feast, only after they came to Canaan. Now, I want you to think about this. While they're in the wilderness, they didn't have the feast. Not till they came to Canaan. Now, now why was that? I want you to think about their children. And I want you to think about the father of that family telling the children, hey, we're going to sit down and we're going to celebrate what God has done for us. And we're going to have manna. So every night of that week of that feast, they sit down and they have man and quail. The next morning for breakfast, they have man and quail. Then that day for lunch, they have quail and manna. And then that night, they have manna, manna, and quail. How boring is that? I mean, what's there to celebrate? I mean, the children going to look at mom and dad and go, What? We're celebrating what God's done, and we're eating manna and quail. I mean, there's got to be something better out there. There's got to be something more excited out there. And I'm afraid too often we as parents, we, we come to church sometimes on Sunday, and we, we may get a little hors d'oeuvre on Sunday morning, and we go home, and we, we live just like the rest of the world. And, and our kids look at that and say, you know what? What's the world got to offer? Because, you know, we can go to church, but we really don't see a change. We really don't see much. We, we don't see much difference at home than we see at church, and our kids lose, 
uh, lose, lose something when they say, you know, we, you don't act holy at home. You don't act any different at home. And, and, you know, you may act different on Sundays. And a lot of times we, we want to tell our kids, you do as I say, not as I do. But folks, that don't work. That don't work today, especially today, that, that our children look at us and they want to mimic what they see. If they don't see a change in us outside of this church, then, then when it's time for them to be on their own, they're going to search around and say, there's got to be something better out there. And folks, I think we need to be bringing up our children and, and trying to say that, hey, there's a change that happened in my life and God has a promised land for us. And we need to move towards that promised land and, and our children can celebrate in the excitement of those feasts and say, you know what, this is something God has us. Now we see this a lot of times, kids that were raised in church, when they hit rock bottom, when they've tried it all, they, they come back home like the prodigal son. They say, you know what, we, we wandered around for a few years and we realized that, hey, this is where it's really happening at. Or they have children and they say, I want my children to grow up that way. It doesn't matter, but we need to be in church today. We need to work towards having our children. We need to come back. We have Sunday school. We have Bible study. We have small group studies. We need to get involved in those where, hey, our kids will understand, hey, there's something for us to be there. There's a reason to be there and not simply activities, but there's a, there's a growing that needs to take place in the lives of our children. You know, when I was a kid, we had a bunch of people come to Sunday school and then the group that leaves left after Sunday school. So we had a big group come to Sunday school, and then folks would kind of go and, and leave after that. Things have kind of changed. We have a small group at Sunday school, and then folks come to church. I'm glad you're here. But folks, you're missing out on something not coming to Sunday school. You're missing out on some time of Bible study, some one-on-one -on -one time, some time of building relationships together. And we need to come. We need to be a part of what God is doing. And, and if we apply that to the church, you know, this church ain't going to be built up. This church isn't going to grow because of my funny jokes and good looks. Amen? Amen. They're going away fast. They may not have never been there, but they're, they're moving on. So any true spiritual growth is going to become simply out of this church spending some time changing their diet, spending some time in God's Word. And it's, it's my job to lead us and to feed us, and I hope you get fed on Sunday mornings, but it's your job to take that nourishment and then follow what God's Word says. And when we don't take that nourishment, when we hear and we get a little appetizer and we leave and there's no change, the church is not going to grow spiritually at all. Riding the fence, we're never happy. When we got one foot in uh, the promised land and one foot in the desert, we're not going to be happy. When you, when you say, well, God, I'm, I've got, I'm a little bit of the world and I'm a little bit of Christ and I'm going to stay right here in the middle, you're just miserable. A man had been missing a lot of church and the pastor went and seen him and explained, well, uh, why don't you come to church? And the guy said, well, it's been raining and it just seems like it rains every day. And the pastor said, well, it's dry in church. And the man said, yeah, that's the other reason I don't come. And, and uh, the wilderness is dry. It's a, it's a dusty, thirsty place. But God says, I have a place for you, and it's flowing with milk and honey, and it's not very far from where you are right now. It was just an 11-day journey for these people. I'm going to stop there this morning. I want to ask you to bow your heads and... You know what? I'm not talking down to nobody today. I'm talking to myself. I, I find myself too often in, the, in, the, in the, that same wilderness. You know, I, I come to church and 
I kind of go through the motions. I kind of just wander around, and and too often, we'll start that next week. And boy, that's something good down the road. Forty years of that wandering around, and the children of Israel had to look back and say, "You know what? We missed out on all God wanted for us. We missed it." This morning, I want to ask you, where are you at? As you go, so goes the church. As you go, so goes the church. You are the church. Are you still in Egypt? Are you still in bondage to sin? You need salvation today. That's not my words. That's what God's word says. But if you're wandering around in the wilderness, you got your fire insurance, but... That's about it. You, you've never in, uh, hardly invited anybody to church. You never talked to them about Christ, and much less try to lead someone to Christ. You know, that's not my job. I'm too shy. I'm, that's the preacher's job. That's the Sunday school teacher's job. That's the youth minister's job. That, that's somebody else's job. No, God called us. He said we are created in His image to be His workers. He's prepared things in advance for you to do. That's what God's Word says. But we're so worried about stepping on a toe or hurting the feelings that we say, you know what, I'm just going to stay in the wilderness, wander around. I'll tell you what, I believe we're living in the last times. You might say, well, boy, my mama believed that, my grandma believed that, and their grandma believed it. Look around at the times we're living in. Prophecies being fulfilled almost daily. And the Lord told his disciples this, I looked to the fields, and the fields were white unto harvest. In other words, they were ready to be picked, but the workers were few. We have an answer today. We have a hope today. I know it's tough to ask somebody about the relationship with Christ, but you know what? You don't get a, you're not doing that for you. You're doing that for them. At the very least, invite them to church. Say, hey, come, just come to church with me or come, come, come to church. And I want to just invite you to come be a part and see what's going on. The fields are widened to harvest, but the workers are few. Father, I pray this morning as your spirit speaks to us that we would come to your table. We would change our appetite. And Father, we'd only trust you Pray, Father, we'd, we'd get out of the wilderness, we'd get out of Egypt, and we'd move towards that promised land. Lord, I pray this morning, as your Holy Spirit moves within our heart, I pray that we'd respond to the wooing and the calling of you, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would.